Well, welcome everybody to the first episode of the Untitled Nebula Works podcast. Um, I'm Earl Giffen, a cloud in, or cloud architect. I'm sorry with uh, with Nebula Works. With me to this evening are uh, Rob Hernandez, CTO of Nebula Works. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Chris Sibarowski. Did I say that right? You got it. I was going to say that's a uh, that's pretty impressive. I was, well, you know I was worried about that. You know, it's like. <laughs> But the uh, the CEO of Nebula Works, yeah, something like that. Chief yeah. bottle washer. <laughs> there we go. Um, so yeah, this is our first go at the the podcast thing. So we'll see how this goes this evening. But we've got some uh, some interesting topics for you guys. Um, first off, we've got a nice little piece of news um, which has been circulating recently. The uh, the log for J zero day vulnerability, and I know we all have a few things to say about that. Got oh, some yeah. notes. Yeah, yeah, Chris, why don't you kick us off on Log4J, you know, explain what happened and what your feelings are on that. Well, like, geez, you're asking the most technical guy in the room to talk about Java stuff. Um, so vulnerability, um, pretty big deal. But, uh, you know, I think I, from what I understand, uh, this is something that, one, could have been avoidable, two, uh, has been somewhat known. Um, and I think people probably should have looked into it previously. Uh, and Rob shared some memes with some pretty interesting stuff about uh, using standard, logging the standard out. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's really interesting. And I think when, for me, it's like being a little, little less involved with the technical technology on the daily. Um, you know, the first place I look is like, okay, what are the trade rags saying? Like, let's read about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, you do the old uh, Google search or, you know, DuckDuckGo, CNET article comes up. And the first thing they do is start slamming things because they're open source. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, if it's closed source, there's more people that are covering this from a security perspective. And I had to instantly just close the page and, and start over. Who is that? That's CNET. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. So the first thing that came to my mind when I saw this was, <clears throat> I, w- I wonder how many organiza- organizations even thought about Log4J being in their stack. You know, a lot of people just install it with, you know, whatever Java applications or Java stacks they're running. You know, what... What are the implications for not keeping track of dependencies in this case and not having unknown dependencies in your stack? Well, I mean, it's, it's in some cases, it's going to be unavoidable, right? Because you're consuming a lot of software you didn't write, software you paid for, that you're getting maybe a tarball or a Docker container or whatever, right? Whatever the artifact is that you're going to run. Um, so you're, you're really not going to know. Um, and you probably, that's probably why you're paying for that software. Um, the unfortunate thing is then that gets lost, right? So, you know, the, the thing I thought of when I heard about the log4j vulnerability was, um, you know, all of the, all of the, like these stuff from Oracle, all the old legacy Java stuff that's, that's probably out there that, you know, is important because it's running some business processes and things like that. But, you know, you probably don't know where, uh, you know, where it's really, um, you know, coming from what's, what's all of the, the dependency tree is probably just shipped as one big blob or, or kind of like whole, like just, you know, tarball jar, that you unpack. Jar, jar file. Well, I'll say jars. In but EJB pretty much running everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you spent most of your life in, in Solaris. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, give me, give me um, some web logic and some uh, ATG Dynamo. Well, but, but, but like when you would deploy that stuff, it was like you go, I mean, I don't know, Sun was probably better, but like when, when you know, I kind of, when I started to interact with it, it was like after the acquisition by Oracle and you'd go download this from some random site at Oracle, if you could find out where, where this, you know, web logic thing was that you needed to update or patch, you'd go and then you'd unpack the tarball in slash or one or some random, yeah, whatever the path was, that you but U01, whatever the hell Oracle was pushing at the time. And you just, you just throw it in there with everything else and hope that, oh, I didn't overwrite some directory mm-hmm. or clobber some other thing that was happening to run there too. Um, so yeah, I really don't know what, um, what people are going to be able to do to, to find this other than probably do a little bit of red teaming themselves in their environments to go and figure out, okay, do these services that I have, 
have log4j and are vulnerable. So I just don't know if you're going to be able to go through all the systems and dump out all of the directories and, and, and all of that and then grep through all of it. I mean, you could do that, but maybe that's not the best or most effective way to find this thing. We're looking at everything to see if there's an import statement. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, I don't know. I, I, I In a past life, right, I, I did a little bit of Java development, and Log4j was always... I was like, what? Why does I? Why does this thing do everything that it does? Mm-hmm. I'd like it to just write to a log file, but it would rotate. It would, you know, compress. It would do all of these things that I would assume the system would take care of for me, at least right. at the time. Right? Log rotate would run and do what log rotate would do. It would mm-hmm. move. A, a, you know, however I configured log rotate, it would it would take care of that. But. So what you're saying is simplifying your stack is a good solution to this problem. Well, yeah, and that was the whole joke behind one of the memes was it was uh, it was that that meme of of Michael Scott getting his he's shaking his hand wearing the mullet. He has the mullet at the time. He had the man satchel. Though. Yeah, yeah, the man satchel, yeah. and he has that that weird look on his face, and he's and it's like uh, you know your boss your boss thanks you for fixing this this security vulnerability um, by changing all of your your log for J calls to print statements right and that's that was the whole thing and it's like yeah that, that kind of would do it although that's probably not the most effective way to uh to basically you know do your logging across your your application if it's at all complex yeah i mean, I mean you you got to start to wonder i mean it's like even in college and you know the computer science courses the teachers are really you know, driving professors are driving the telemetry decisions, right? They're saying, hey, if you're going to do this stuff, mm-hmm. you need to look inside the stack. And if you're doing Java, you need to do everything Java native. And you start to use these tools and they become the single point of collection for everything. Mm-hmm. Not to mention um, the, the, the deep um, integration with the rest of the, of the Java language, right? Mm-hmm. And the issue here isn't necessarily that it's, that it's print statements, the issue is, is that it's open to directory systems, right? Mm-hmm. And that becomes now, now that's a that's a real problem, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I think it's probably one of those other things that, that now everything's being being containerized, mm-hmm. right? So, so like people care less and less about like the fact that the thing can traverse the file system because the file system for that container is is you know it's contained, right? It's it's not it's not allowing you. I mean. Hopefully not, right? Well, I'm, yeah. I'm going to do the air quotes I know, there. I know, I know, allow, right? I know. hopefully not, right? Um, but at least it's it's contained to just that that container. Um, but it's just kind of funny because there's a lot of bad practices, mm-hmm. right, that you see all over. Um, I mean, this log4j thing aside, it's just like certain people have forgot or just never known the things we used to have to do to mm-hmm. isolate different services and different processes on a running system. Well, they got lazy, I think. When you sure. brought up containerization, and while that's absolutely true that the container does isolate the process, doesn't that have the potential to breed uh, complacency in devs because now they think everything's okay just because it's containerized? Oh, and- yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the whole reason why most most Docker containers make me want to throw up. I mean... <laughs> The, How do you really feel, Rob? Oh, I'm just saying. Um, you know, hey, let's we got, get some Docker files we, for Rob to review. Yeah, oh God, we've got, we've got. Oh yeah, um, I put all of my my binaries um, in slash app because that's that's a standard Unix hierarchy that that exists. Um, you know, it's like what what are we doing? Uh, we've got you know a normal hierarchy that used to be followed, um, but that seems to have gone by the wayside. For, for most people that are building these types of containers today, um, they've just got, you know, kind of code everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And you, they really just assume that, you know, if you're going to care about where they're putting their app, I guess you'd have to go look at their Docker file. Mm-hmm. And then even that's, you know, that's just going to be a whole nother sad, sad day for you when you have to go look at their Docker file that's curling god knows what and maybe doing multi-stage builds not to mention how we uh we manage docker file releases and image releases but that's I mean, probably that's, that's uh, probably a topic for another podcast that for another <laughs> i was gonna say you just, just kind of go make that note of like you know how what what are the what, what are the the problems i have with um container registries in general you know that, that's probably maybe that's episode we're, two. we're gonna do yeah. a whole series on that 
Yeah, but you know, kind of taking it back to the whole, you know, let's go back to the Log4j thing. Um, you know, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a this is the crazy part of like when you start to, you know, commonality. In my my opinion, it's a good thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you standardize on on things, you know, we talk about, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're doing cloud adoption, learn how to do a cloud before you do many clouds or two mm-hmm. clouds. But um, you know, in this case, you have so many people that have really, you know, taken Java and run with it, and it's everywhere. I mean. Mm-hmm set top boxes cameras you know we're using to film this um phones mm-hmm. you know mobile devices it's in cars i mean it's uh it's pretty crazy and and you know i think when you start kind of peel the layers of the onion back um i'm gonna find a lot of stuff that's vulnerable to this mm-hmm. yeah it's probably gonna be I, I would say like um what was the open ssl thing um way back what was that like maybe 2014 uh was that Heartbleed? Yeah, SSL. I believe that was. Or is it where, where was Heartbleed the um, the kernel? Yeah, the kernel yeah, thing. The, yeah, chip issues. What am I thinking of from OpenSSL that kind of kicked off all of the the security, um, the, the kind of kickstarting this the the realization that a lot of things depend on open source and that there's no funding, because um, that was I think that was around what happened with OpenSSL. I just can't remember what what name they happened to give the. We've had the a, whole thing. Yeah, we've had iterations like that. Then you had the GPG issues. Um, oh, right. Oh. That's more recent, uh, recent issues. God. Um, yeah, I mean that happens. Yeah. It, it, but but the the interesting thing is, and I think this is the part that I'm going to be more sensitive to now, just because of everything that's been going on for the last two years, is mm-hmm. you know this concept of not letting a good crisis go to waste, mm-hmm. right? So instead of talking about like, hey, how do we fix this thing? How do we make it better? How do we not get into this situation again? We have everybody running around with their heads on fire, mm-hmm. um, you know, potentially blowing this up to something more than really what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, on the CNETs of the world and some of these other folks. Well, it's, it's like, let's make a big deal about something and it, you know, may, may be a big deal. I'm, you know, definitely think that it could be, but is it as a big of a deal as it really is being made out to be? I don't know about you guys, but I had, you know, non-technical friends calling me and texting me, asking me if this was a problem for them. And by and large, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, Did you tell one... them to send that string to their Tesla or something like that? Find out if you can <laughs> oh, actually... my God. Yeah. <laughs> no, for the most part, these were all Luddites, but they yeah. had, you know, smartphones. There you go. But but it's like, you know, they take this CNET article and, and then think about, um, you know, they're, they're saying that the open source tooling is is um like this wouldn't have happened if this was a closed source project i mean i I don't know how that would really work because i mean say i'm writing this application uh and this library is kind of core to everything i do in the app or across multiple apps that i have um so so if i'm using this proprietary uh, solution i've got to go figure out where it is how to import it into my into my application and then i'm sure there's a license key. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, no, no way. These guys are lazy as hell. Like if I'm the, if I'm an application developer, I'm not doing that. That just seems like a huge waste of time for, you know, little benefit. Um, and, and I just, I mean, these things happen. Um, and it's, it's kind of part of, of software, uh, but we can fix it. Uh, I think we just need people to, to kind of, realize that that just saying yeah closed source because no one can look at it like that's that's kind of you're just masking that that problem they say security by obscurity Mm -hmm. right you know it's like if it's nobody knows about it then it's secure uh i kind of don't believe that you know what's really interesting too you know in preparation for having this discussion i was looking at you know other log facilities or the ability to kind of abstract some of these things and i was just blown away by the number of number of ways that you can do logging within java Mm -hmm. and i land on the uh, slf4j you Mm -hmm. know site and uh, and they said, and I quote what they said here, um, on the very first line about this uh, this vulnerability, uh, they said it's uh, this this could be a bad problem, but uh, GNDI LDAP RMI X serialization rabbit hole uh, runs deep and leads to much uncertainty. And I was like, oh, Craig, yeah, this is cool. You know, where you got the guys for like creating the abstraction layer base for another mm-hmm. uh, abstraction layer for logging. They don't even, they're not even going to comment on it. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it goes deep, real deep. <laughs> yeah. We, we're going to look into it. Yeah. Eventually. We'll get back to you. Yeah. And, and there's, open, no, there's, no, there's no warranty. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. Cause I don't, we don't want it anyways. Cause we'd rather just use, you know, things that we can see. 
Thanks. So, so, so did this project exist in the wake of Log4j? Or, or is it, is it, you know, something that has existed as a kind of a, an alternative? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter. Uh, okay. You know, I, I'm not going to, you know, profess being a, a Java, you know, expert. But, yeah. you know, from what I can tell and from what I know about the language, I think it's, it's something that somebody wrote to solve a problem and mm. removing the Log4j API and then being able to use the SLF4j API and then have that actually talk to a number of different logging Mm. Uh, logging tools. That's the way I read it. So it's mm. an abstract, an abstraction layer. Yeah, no, which could be vulnerable too if you're passing things to, you know, the proper right. versions or the the vulnerable versions of uh, Log4j. Yeah, I mean it was kind of funny because you know I heard this whole thing it came out and I was kind of thinking about anything that that we work on and and I just kind of was like, well, you know, I'm I'm glad that whenever I see a Java application. I just go look for another alternative that's not in Java. Yeah, that seems so. to be the uh, the easiest mitigation. <laughs> hey, not use Java. Amazon's got our back, though. I don't know. Do you guys see the email that they sent us? They're like, oh, no. hey, you know, just to let you know, we uh, we scan your images, and you know, we want to make sure that if you're using Docker or you've got other things in Amazon, we're going to let you know if there's a problem. Mm. There wasn't letting you know anything. They're just like, hey, some links in case you want to go check it out. But the, oh. but we try mm. to remediate things, and you may or may not be vulnerable here. So there there was actually a. Uh, uh, a project I saw crop up, I think, because of this whole log4j thing, um, which is called uh, it's called the hot dog, uh, and and what it hot hot dog or not hot dog? Yeah, yeah you know, essentially, right? <laughs> um, and it 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 was actually specifically to patch like like uh, in, in like a running container uh, the the vulnerability. So oh, it's going nice. to go like I guess there's a there's a, a amount that you're going to associate um with any container that's running and then that that shim is going to go and then check to see if there are any running uh, uh the process running is is using log4j and then i guess patch it accordingly or something it seems to be kind of hot swapping i, I, don't, I really didn't look too much into it but i was thinking this is a pretty interesting way to approach it i mean it certainly seems more like it was more trouble than just kind of trying to figure out, okay, you know, I'm going to go look across my infrastructure. I'm going to go find the containers that, that seem to have or be, be kind of potential um, areas that I need to look into. And then I'm going to try and, you know, use a, a newer build that, that has the fix. Now I think, you know, I don't know. I think there was a follow-up too. I think they, I think they tried to fix it once and then it was still not completely fixed hmm. at least i saw something some some indication of that now maybe that's not maybe i miss maybe i misread that but uh but it was kind of funny because i'm thinking you know yeah this is like uh, one way to do it it just seems pretty risky to go so, so it inspects it. the process yes. sees what libraries are open or what is being called and then it says yeah that's vulnerable and then it's going to go download a new image and no it, it actually it... like it's actually going to apply like the patch, patching. yeah, like to, on the on the to, running on, container, on you know, the running container. That's a dumpster fire. Yeah, well, I'm just like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I would want that happening. That, your GitOps can't handle that, uh, which is the perfect segue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so GitOps, uh, this is a subject near and dear to my heart, as I'm sure it is to both of yours. Um, you know, in doing the research for this this podcast, um. I, I came across many different definitions of, of GitOps, and it, it seems to mean many different things to many different people. Um, the, the commonalities were essentially using Git as a source of truth to manage your declarative infrastructure as code. Mm -hmm. um, but I also saw Kubernetes peppered in a lot of places, um, uh, different tooling argo um mm -hmm. you know suggestions to kind of use specific approaches to do GitOps. um did you guys notice the same oh yeah yeah i mean one of the i think like uh, the people that kind of coined the term i think it was weaveworks it was yeah alexis was alexis richardson okay yeah. so so I, t I tend to think that it, it is in that kind of camp of the uh, the cncf mm -hmm. um and, and kind of kubeland 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I, that's kind of whenever I see it, I think it's a, a lot of it's tailored to that. Um, at least that's that's kind of what I would expect in the 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 GitOps definition. If you were to go look look that up, It'd yeah, be something Kubernetes centric. Yeah, I, I don't. I didn't get the impression reading uh, the pieces that I did that you had to use containerization with GetOps, but everything strongly suggested that you use containerization. That's what I that's what I took away too. I mean, the note I wrote was uh, GitOps equals equals Kubernetes automated. Yeah. Right. Um, but what's interesting is is that there's like, oh, well, you don't have to. You know, you can you can definitely do Terraform or your mm-hmm. your infrastructure's code. Uh, uh, domain-specific language or other tooling to do other things. But mm-hmm. what we really recommend you do is you you do that on itself. You kind of draw a line in the sand and say, okay, but anything after that, you know, the repo is going to do everything with their Kubernetes cluster. Mm-hmm. That's how we're going to drive every change. But, but like, um, I, the one thing that I, I, I guess I'm curious what we want to, like, kind of classify as the definition, at least for us to kind of, like, Mm-hmm. just kind of unpack be um mainly because what's i'm just trying to think like what's what's the i mean what's the difference right between GitOps and and just driving what your your, your changes in the environment through a git repository um because i think that's where a lot of people get confused is mm-hmm. i would like to do um all of my changes through pull requests and and through like you know code review and all of that um so you know is that i guess that's using git and that's you know operations type work so i guess that would be GitOps. yeah well um, the, the weaveworks folks i mean they they submit that high performance teams elite teams i believe is the word that they use mm-hmm. um use trunk based development mm-hmm. and use a git workflow mm-hmm. i mean that's like you 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 do that i think the the part that the, the GitOps movement is to allow things to be automated, have automation to do deployments, mm-hmm. and then some type of mechanism that recognizes differences mm-hmm. in the environment mm-hmm. and then remediates those. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big, like, the big win for for folks that are kind of trying to look at this and saying, like, hey, you know, if we do this, we can, we can. Uh, there was a you know pull request that's approved, right? Mm-hmm. It's good. It's going into production, and if there's an issue, there's a system that's going to be looking at this and be able to back, allow us to easily back out. So I, I think one of the areas where it gets a little muddy though is, are you watching a Git repo externally and pulling for changes, or are you pushing from within your you know Git solution, be it GitLab, GitHub, whatever? out to your infrastructure on a change. Mm-hmm. And I think that people assume one way or the other is the only way to do it um, mm-hmm. and, and develop pretty heavy bias in that regard. Have you guys noticed that as well? Yeah. I mean, and I think I think what I've traditionally seen as like the, the GitOps, um, I'll just say the, the GitOps preferred way to do um, your updates is to to kind of uh, pull for them and pull them from the repository and, and kind of continuously check to see if there's something that doesn't really match what you have right that right at that moment right mm-hmm. um, and that's at least the, the way I've I've seen it kind of pitched and it, it you know that that sounds great I, I guess um, I mean before we kind of go into that I mean is that kind of the I mean, do we want to kind of go with that that kind of assumption? Is is like the things you would see from like a, a Weaveworks or a um, I don't know Codefresh? I don't know if they're kind of one and the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think the Weave guys are they're kind of the leading edge on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, one, they've got enterprise products to mm-hmm. to support this type mm-hmm. of behavior or process or methodology, whatever you want to coin it. Mm-hmm. Um, of which I think we've been those of us who have sysadmined a number of boxing. Uh, over our over our careers, we we kind of built these things and and had some level of this before we put a tag to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're the ones that are kind of like, they're they're the ones that are leading the charge. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I tend to agree that that's a decent summary, and we can make assumptions that you know them with the with the flux, which is the key to this, their mm-hmm. their tooling, which is running in the cluster mm-hmm. that does these diffs, make sure that your stuff is what it 
is meant to be. Yeah, it, it, but the the weird thing about it, and, and this is one of the things that I, I kind of ran across with some other team members about a year ago, was apparently uh, that GitOps 1.0 is is a failure, and there's a lot of shortcomings and 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 mm-hmm. things that you have to work around because certain things don't play nice. Is 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 the shortcoming the Kubernetes operator pattern, or is it the because essentially I mean, that's a big component to this, right? Yeah, well, I think it's kind of a lot of different things. A lot of a lot of like kind of the these these approaches that don't factor in kind of what happens when things don't go well. Well, um, yeah, right. So like, it's cool. The happy path is, you know, it's like we're gonna we're gonna go and poll and we're gonna we're gonna get updates and we're gonna apply them to the cluster and everything's great. And it's like, well, well kind of what happens when that that doesn't for one reason or another that doesn't that doesn't go to plan, like. What other mechanisms do you have now to affect the cluster that's in some um, less than ideal state, and you've got this kind of side effect, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, that the cluster is kind of just pulling there. You're not pushing anything. You don't have any really other ways of intervening. At least if we're to kind of take this as you know, this is the deployment model. This is all you need. But is the is the poll only on stake uh, making sure that the that the state you declared is the actual state? I, mean, I understood that the push is actually how things are getting sent out to the operating environment. So, you know, you make a change, mm-hmm. um, the pull request is 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 approved, and mm-hmm. once that happens, you know, the the op, the the no ops takes over, and you know, your method of choice gets the container images built, sent out to to the cluster. And then from there, there's obviously a po- some type of polling that has mm-hmm. to happen. Something has to say, is mm-hmm. this the same the thing that's running that should be running? Well, I guess I'll, I'll stop. Rob, you'd mentioned um, GitOps 1.0. For the people listening who who don't necessarily know what that means, can you define that? Well, that's, that's, that's kind of, uh, I didn't really go into it too much because I kind of wondered what's wrong with with just putting things in a Git repository and mm-hmm. building a, you know, building the automation that you need. Um, so I don't really know what made up the 1.0 of GitOps. Could it could it be that WeaveWorks had a 1.0 release of their product? I would, I mean, yeah. Something that is like, is it is commercial equal? I think commercial or just kind of in general, the 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 tooling around this this GitOps workflow of of doing the you know polling and 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 the the um you know pulling it into the, the cluster. I mean, it's got to happen by some deployment, right? Some mm-hmm. kind of, um, some manifests that have been applied to the cluster. So I'm assuming maybe that's that's really where it was coming from was whatever that they were doing at that state or that point in time um, with that 1.0 uh, deployment didn't work for one reason or another. I, I was really, you know, uh, when this whole thing started, I don't know, this is probably like maybe 2018, 2019, I was I was genuinely excited to see kind of what they were working on, um, and I, I kind of watched a couple of issues, but then certain things just never got like addressed, and I was kind of like, well, these things are kind of core to being able to use this at you know even like kind of a basic level, like supporting multiple environments. That was one thing I saw that was called out about GitOps 1.0 was that's that's difficult. Um, I don't know what else you'd be doing if you couldn't support multiple environments with the things that you're building inside of the repository. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if to work around that you had to have multiple repositories. It did seem like a lot of the the things that um, this GitOps 1.0 uh, paradigm was was pushing um, netted you multiple repositories and kind of this sprawl mm. that you had to deal with, um, which does seem pretty pretty untenable long term Um, especially if you're an enterprise shop and you're Mm -hmm. you know making a push to you know this is the way right if Mm -hmm. that's how they're determining you know companies are determining they want to move forward or teams but you know i guess in my mind it's like is it is like you said is it worth the sprawl And, and i think it comes back to things that you know quite frankly we've seen time and time again you know when the the folks that are kind of behind this the guy who coined the term um they're saying you need to be an elite team to do trunk-based development. 
mean, how many teams do we have we run into over, over our, our time that that can't even deal with merge conflicts? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's like who cares what the rest of the system is going to do if you can't even like collaborate inside of a, a single right. repo or single place source of truth, canonical source of truth, as they say. Yeah, that's where you have to start the work first before you can do any of the other fun stuff. Right. Well, and, that, and that's kind of the the thing that I think it was was kind of a, a the main um, the main reason why we wanted to talk about this on the podcast was. You know, people are saying GitOps and, and kind of then deploying these things to a Kubernetes cluster and 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 then having it pull and, and get updates and things like that. And it's kind of like that's that's great, you know, eventually. But but how many folks just can't even collaborate and get you know developer uh, A and developer B's changes into the main branch? You know, I, I think a lot of people assume that that's that's easy. Um, and we know from the work we do that that's, that's oftentimes not, I mean, just for numbers, uh, for, for, for a number of different reasons, um, that there's, there's many different factors. Um, you know, are they even, are they even communicating? Do they talk mm-hmm. to one another? Do they realize that maybe they're, they're making changes that affect one another? Um, those types of things. And it, it seems like we're getting ahead of ourselves um, at least with a lot of people that are kind of looking at this as as the way, um, it's like, hey, let's let's first just start getting our code into a repository um, and and be kind of comfortable with with driving our changes from there, um, and then let's figure out where we want to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need GitOps and and the whole suite of WeaveWorks tools or or things like that to be able to do some of these things. You can do these things just with Git um, and, a, and a proper branching strategy like trunk-based development. Um, and, and that's a really easy way to get started. And that's going to net you way more benefits than, than something like this, um, at least if you're early days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I just, uh, I think a lot of that's just often overlooked when you hear about a lot of these things that are coming out of um, the kind of the Kubernetes landscape. It makes a, a lot of assumptions. So, if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is before you start playing with all the cool toys, you gotta you have to develop a good rigor around your Git processes and a good software engineering uh, discipline for your team, mm-hmm. and then opening that up to, you know, more automation, more you know, I guess I'll say complex tech or deployment processes. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say we have a team that does meet those criteria, like that it, they've, you know, got some cohesion, they've got some good Git rigor, they've got a good trunk based development branching strategy. What would be a good next step for that team to take? If they were going to say be deploying, they wanted to deploy an application to a Kubernetes cluster, for example. I was going to go right into Kubernetes. Keep it, keep it Kubernetes. I guess that's that's fine. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's that's one of the things that I think it, it's apples to apples. I guess well, in this can, case, can we can we at least accept the fact that you can be a, an elite team and mm-hmm. not have to use Kubernetes? Yes. I mean, I'm, I I think that's yeah. I'd love to 100%. get that one out there. Like, there's plenty of people that have, um, and there's some folks that you know we've had in our camp for for a long time that are like, hey, listen, I'd I'd rather not use the container. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I'll just use a container image and push it to. Uh, an instance that's running in the cloud that's got mm-hmm. a container uh, engine or runtime there, but I'm, I'm not going to use the whole orchestration thing because mm-hmm. I don't need it. Um, causes more problems than it's worth. As oh, long yeah. as we can right. accept that. So yeah, let's yes, say absolutely. they want to use Kubernetes but, zero. <laughs> well, I mean, just just to quickly, you know, just touch on that. I think what, what people, what a lot of people are are after by adopting kind of the the container paradigm, right, and the orchestrator like, like Kubernetes. Um, is is really the ephemeralness mm-hmm. and, and having the discipline to to deploy things in an ephemeral manner. Um, you can certainly get that a number of different ways. Right. Um, you know, VMs are perfectly capable of doing that. Now you've got to make sure that you do certain things when you deploy those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not long-lived. They're not containing state and, and you're having to worry about backing them up. Um, you're, you're shipping that off to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good thing just to kind of quickly call out is 
um, we'll keep it apples to apples for this, but um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with uh, doing uh, virtual machine deployments on a large scale if, if that fits uh, your business case and need. Uh, you know, totally fine. And I, I wish there were more people talking about that because mm. that scales perfectly fine. I think that's actually a really good topic for the next podcast is how to run your infrastructure without Kubernetes or containerization. Yeah, I like that. That's good. In a sane way. In a yeah, sane way. So the question that Earl posed before I totally changed the subject, <laughs> <laughs> it was, what if they're so mature? What if they've gotten to the point, right, where, they're, mm-hmm. where a team is capable of mm-hmm. doing this stuff? What's the next step? Like if they want to use Kube, mm-hmm. where, where do they go? Is, is this the right method? Well, I, I think it's it's like, okay, so so what are you missing, right? So, so if you've got... Um, your application, right, and and that's that's in a, a code base or in a repository. Um, you've got maybe, I mean, do we want to say that they've got Helm charts already, or that they're going to need to put something. Sure, in? let's say they've they've got an application written that's been codified in a Helm chart. It's got a Helm chart. Yeah, I mean, you can certainly go through all of the, I'd say the the legwork to deploy, you know, this this uh, these types of GitOps tools. Um, but that's kind of like a, you know, it's like the chicken and egg problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got to deploy this set of manifests or Helm, other Helm charts to then have them consume my Helm chart, which, I mean, you can get around and that's, that's not that big a deal. But um, do you necessarily need all of that complexity versus just taking, uh, taking the Helm chart that you have um, and, and pushing that out to uh, like your development cluster? Mm-hmm. Right or some cluster that you're that you're going to be working on and iterating on, and and then maybe you you do that to the next like uh, you know a test cluster or, or a staging cluster, and then ultimately to production. Um, you know what's involved with doing that, and that's that could be something as simple as as you know Helm deploy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we, we like to use uh, some other tools on top of Helm, right to uh, to deal with that. Um, Kind of the, the chart um, inputs and things like that, and we can get into that later. Um, things like Helmsman and stuff like that, but um, you know, you can absolutely push that out, and that's I think that's a, a lot simpler because mm-hmm. we don't have any running containers that are polling eventually being consistent. Any GUIs sitting out there? <laughs> I guess well, we haven't really touched on that. It's um, one less set of, set of services you need running on your cluster. D- exactly. Um, I mean, just at the most very basic level. Um, and and I think, uh, you know, we've seen stuff. I don't know what tool it was. Maybe it was the Weaveworks set of tools. Um, but there was like there was like some, or it was, maybe it was Argo. I think it was Argo CD. Or not Argo CD, Argo. Maybe it was, I don't know, whatever. Some Argo t- tool, because there's a couple different ones in, in that camp. Um, but it had like a, a button, right? So like it was like GitOps, but then like you've got to log into a this GUI and then trigger the update. Um, and, and maybe what we were seeing at that time, this was at at the most recent KubeCon in North America in LA. Um, maybe they had it configured kind of funky, but I thought it was very funny to say, I'm going to create this PR, I'm going to merge the code, and then I'm going to go log into my uh, Argo uh, GUI and hit, update update my cluster and i was like and, and then that does the deployment yeah oh, yeah that's yeah, interesting yeah you gotta like force the update so it's git ops plus git ops git ops plus click ops <laughs> click, click ops maybe, 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 yeah maybe some drag ops drag ops drag, maybe, drag, maybe ops. Some drag ops some drag ops there too yeah um refresh ops it was it was it was so ridiculous um but you know i think i think there's nothing wrong with just calling you know the the helm the helm binary um, from your, you know, your normal uh, CI CD tool that you have, you know, your your GitLabs, your GitHub Actions, you know, Circle CI, what what have you, um, and just affecting um, the cluster and, and saying, mm-hmm. hey, I've got this change, I'd like to apply it to the cluster, you know, maybe you you have like a, a Helm diff that's mm-hmm. that's displayed, so you kind of know what manifest you're affecting and what's supposed to change. Um, and then, you know, ultimately appro- approving that, making the change versus doing the eventual consistency thing. Right. I, I, I just, I don't know why if I can just declare it 
and make it so why I would want the eventual consistency. I'd rather have it now. So that's that that's my take. Well, I think that model presupposes the the git rigor that we talked about earlier, right? Mm. If you're going mm-hmm. to actually be, you know, throwing I'm being colloquial, but throwing the helm chart over the fence into the cluster, you have to have, you know, good testing in place. You have to have a good branching strategy in place. But, right. But GitOps doesn't negate that. You still have to test your applications. Exactly. The, all we're doing is talking about the place that this stuff lands to run, mm-hmm. right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's like, where is the process instantiated? Mm-hmm. Let's call it what it is, right? I mean, everybody mm-hmm. wants to talk about these tools like it's some mythical thing that is that, that is it's accomplishing a service being running. No, it's going to allocate some memory it's going to run the process it's going to open some ports and mm-hmm. there you go right i mean ultimately it's 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 kind of that simple i mean there's obviously other structures in place but i, I think the the problem that i have with with a lot of these things is you know we've this isn't the first time we've we've been down this road right it's not the first rodeo right mm-hmm. so you know what happens when you go to something that's so opinionated in its way that it does something and you and you need to either through um, uh, real customization because your shop requires it. How do you handle that, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't understand all of the mechanisms that are going on behind the scenes once the once the uh, uh, the merge merge request or pull request is approved, mm-hmm. um, that's an issue, right? And it seems like we're going down this path of saying, you know what, we're going to have these long running things again, right? So it's like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. we have this farm of of my super compute farm, or I have my back in my day. It was like, don't touch the you know, the E 10 K's or the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the E 25 K's because, you know, you don't want to reboot things or, you don't. that was the conventional wisdom, like don't touch it. And is that not what we're doing with these clusters? We're saying like, Hey, we're platform building, mm-hmm. but you know what, go ahead and leave that Kubernetes thing running there for a while. Instead mm-hmm. of saying like, Hey, how can we, if, if this thing gets torched, we need to burn it to the ground. How do we stand the whole thing up again? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of being overlooked and, you know, one of the things I thought was really interesting, and I don't know if, if Alexis was at Pivotal when Pivotal was doing Cloud Foundry, but this is seen, it, to me, this just seems awfully PaaS like. It's mm. like, aren't we doing the same thing? Oh, is this the same? Yeah. We got the record on and we're just playing it again? <laughs> I don't know. Call me crazy. That's, that's, that's kind of a funny, yeah. Funny observation. Yeah. I mean, history does repeat itself, doesn't yeah, it? Right. So yeah. you get to this position where it's like, yeah, you know, it's a it's a CF push. And mm. what's the difference between that and a git push? I mean, it's just a different I mean, it's still the code. And we're we just saying something now is gonna do the introspection, something's gonna make sure that it's whatever's in the uh uh the the artifact that's being created, it's actually what it is, says it's it's going to be. Mm. Um we're gonna go ahead and put the proper build pack around it or build build the proper image. We're gonna launch it into a container runtime. Mm. You know, in this case it's uh you know, whatever version of uh, of the container runtime instead of Diego back in the day, right? Mm. And it's like, okay, mm. you know, what what is What's the difference? And who knows? I don't Maybe know. You yeah, should I, ask him. I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it's an interesting. But you know, do people pass much anymore? I mean, yeah. is that like, or are we just doing the same thing? We just call it something different. Is it just a change in name? I mean, being one that's never used Cloud Foundry, I mean, are we are we talking? basically like um Jesus Heroku for that matter. I was gonna say Heroku that's yeah. how, that's where I was going I mean I think a lot of people think that's that's the way hmm. right um but if that were true then we would have tons of people on Heroku and tons of mm-hmm. people on Cloud Foundry so let me ask you the next question and I'm gonna be a little I'm gonna provoke something here I'm oh, gonna no. poke the bear so <laughs> what what happens when it's a low code <laughs> <laughs> Do we still use the Git part of the ops? I, I don't think if you're if you're interested in writing low code applications, you have any idea what version control is. You know, for those who can't, Rob's looking at me with these dagger eyes. I, just, <laughs> I mean, I just I just don't know what people think they're supposed to get with a with low code. I don't either. I, I don't. I mean, maybe it's there's no apps. Yeah. Maybe low code means. No apps. no apps or low apps. Low apps. Maybe it's just a menu. It doesn't do anything. It's just you open the app and you know some text. Mm-hmm. Low code. Low code. Yeah, might be. I, I just I, I don't know if people you know they're just they're so afraid of of doing development. Um, you know, opening up a terminal, doing mm-hmm. those types of things. 
um, that they're going to go, you know, to great lengths to to mask that. Um, and, and I mean, in all honesty, that just seems like that seems like so much more work. Um, and, and I know it's it's kind of counterintuitive, but I think that's just what I've seen, and, and I think we've seen in, in some of the engagements and some of the you know the things that we've we've worked on over the years. Yeah, definitely. I've seen a lot of engineering decisions made because somebody didn't want to open a terminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we need to be more like Bob Ross. You know, we just have to show people it's like it's okay, mm-hmm. man. You can you can paint happy, you know, happy utilities. It's the best place to be. It is, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can set up your PS1, you know, <laughs> and just, just go nuts. Dot file heaven. Dot oh, file yeah. heaven. So I think we're at time. Yeah. Just, I mean, uh, real quick, do we want to kind of wrap up, like kind of like a conclusion? I mean, I don't yeah. know. Are we going to summarize? I, maybe. I mean, is that worth it? or? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to do uh, the final thought. Yeah, uh, maybe not. I mean, I don't really. I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I don't. That's the first one, so we yeah. don't, we don't. I've got know. a final thought. I'll, 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 yeah. give, I'll give you. Go I'll give you. Let's one. hear it. Let, let, let's think about Kubernetes before we uh, start saying mm. you got to just go run with Kube. I mean, yeah. the whole Git thing is Git. Git, Git is awesome, mm. you know, and and we certainly, you know, that canonical, you know, repo being the center of the universe, like mm. the mm. And, and a declarative approach. Hey, man, mm. we're all down with that. But I, I, and this is coming from an ex Docker captain, right? Like a Docker Captain Emeritus. I don't even want to even call them. They don't even exist anymore. Yeah. You know, I yeah, got socks and a, and, a, and, a, and a jacket or sweatshirt to show. I, I just say, like, pump the brakes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's probably, there's there's other ways to solve the problem rather than, um, than, than making it such a huge point of your component of your platform. Yeah. Does, mm-hmm. does your team really need that complexity yeah. in its stack? Yeah, it's a lot. And because the next thing you're going to start talking about is like service discovery and, you know, mm-hmm. meshes and all sorts of stuff like that. And, oh, yeah. You know, welcome to the Teradome. Well, yeah, another topic for another day. Absolutely. You know, do you really need to to fragment your services? I'm not even going to say the yeah. actual. No, 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 don't say it. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. Macro. Ma- oh, Matt. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, we're going to have a segment called the Service Mesh Shootout. Yeah. Oh, yeah, should we? Uh, man. Be there. We, oh, yeah. Be there. <sighs> yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> yeah. It's you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I think the, the one thing too, is that, you know, people think that putting things in a Git repo or, or some version control system, um, and that affecting, uh, your infrastructure is, is a new concept or let's call it within the last 10 years, right? That's, that's something that's been realized. Um, I know plenty of really, really high performing teams that were doing that long before Git was even the thing. Um, and, and they were doing things at a certain scale because that was the only way to manage it. We're talking about like SVN. Well, SVN, I mean, I just clear case. Yeah. I mean, kind of any version control system, but, but basically, you know, they were in a data center, um, leveraging some of the, the services Mm -hmm. on the network, um, to, to automate the provisioning of their, you know, at that time, physical hardware, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe we can have you go into even like... I'd uh, love to. Do I want mm-hmm. to date myself, though. Uh, I mean, just, just the, the jet scripts, you, you know? know or... we, can, we, can talk, we, can, we can talk about Jumpstart. We can talk, Jumpstart, about, oh, we yes. can talk about that. I've got, I've got yeah, some more can... stories. So, so those types of approaches... Com- composable though. infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. wow, we, nice. We, we move domains around. Yeah, oh. yeah move, move boards around. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, see, we got like we got like five episodes out of this oh, one yeah. episode. Um, I, I knew that was going to happen. By the way, oh, that's this perfect. Yeah. Um, but but really, you know, these concepts, while they might appear new to some people, um, these are things that that people have been doing for a long time. Um, now it's just been well. It's, I think it's been well documented now and and known that that this is this is the the way forward um, mm-hmm. to be able to to manage this stuff. Mm-hmm. effectively um and 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 really once people kind of see that in practice there's no going back but i, I think mm-hmm. some people haven't seen it and they see things like GitOps, um and they think that's that's a similar thing while, while it might appear so mm-hmm. um it, it's really it's really something different mm-hmm. um and it, it's kind of unfortunate that people are getting confused um and, and just kind of thinking well if i'm going to put things put things in a Git repository and, and manage them, then that's, that sounds like GitOps. 
and it's like that that could be true and it it's probably not true yeah i'm gonna, I'm but, gonna go with know, the latter yeah yeah um that's just kind of putting things in a code repository and making your changes all reflect what's in that repository so i don't know that's that's kind of that's all i'll say on that um i want what was the quote about simplicity you had earlier today because i, I, uh, I feel the, like we the, should end with was that. that packard no that was um frank lloyd wright so so that was um the the architect i'm, I'm probably gonna butcher it but let's see if i can recall it uh the architect should always strive for simplicity mm-hmm something along those lines there's more to it i i cut it off um for the because it it was kind of it it goes into actually like his kind of uh philosophy around design Mm -hmm. and kind of incorporating the different elements of of his you know his homes Mm -hmm. uh, into an environment um which is really really cool and if you guys ever get a chance to go to i think there's tons of stuff from frankly right around la oh yeah i want to go to falling water be cool that's a whole podcast too oh yeah. yeah oh man yeah, that's a cool point. I've yeah, never been. Neither have I. But um, but yeah, that's you know, that that's the gist of it, I guess. I think that's a good principle in mind to uh, to keep in mind when you're building all these things. Yes, absolutely. It's the only way you can stay sane. And I think constantly reevaluating your decisions. Um, you know, not saying you have to do that weekly or monthly, mm-hmm. but but I think kind of just always looking at that at, at some regular interval. And saying, you know, is this too complex, mm-hmm. or are there some sharp edges that we're dealing with because we had to make compromises to right. deliver to the business? Um, can we work toward fixing those things or improving our daily work? Uh, that's that's going to net you so many more benefits than just trying to go shopping and pick up, you know, a tool here, a tool there, just because it, it sounds like it's going to fit your your needs. You know, then yeah. you end up with another set of sprawl. Yeah, not, not a fan of walking through the uh, supermarket of tools in yeah. the superstore. Yeah, the Harbor Freight. Harbor Freight. The yeah. Harbor Freight. <laughs> the Harbor Freight. The Harbor CNCF. Yeah, oh, geez. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be another segment. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and with that. Oh, no. I'm going to be on like some kind of shit list. There you go, buddy. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> Chris Zborowski, Robert Andes, thank you guys very much for uh, for spending your time this, this evening. This has been awesome, Will. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, do we have a point of contact for our listeners if they want to drop us a line? Oh, man. I mean, I guess they can send something over to Recycle either Bin at NebulaWorks.com. Oh, no, DevNull. DevNull. Do we, do we, sorry, you know, like where the Windows thing came from. Do, that was really do, do weird. We, do we actually, do we actually have that mail? No, no, we're going to go ahead and set that up. There's yeah. an alias. We'll, I'll set it. We, that we would be awesome. DevNull. DevNull. Yeah. DevNull at NebulaWorks.com. I was going to say in the meantime, I mean, actually, maybe we won't put our, our personal ones in because I'll probably just get a bunch of hate mail. Oh, they'll find us. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah our, our faces are all over, all over the website. So. Listen, dude, I saw these jackasses. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even go to conferences anymore. I'm going to get like jumped and jumped in the bathroom. It's okay. All right, well, uh, thank, thank you, everybody, for listening this evening. This has been a lot of fun, and we're going to keep uh, putting these out uh, in the not too distant future. Yeah. So stay tuned. Happy holidays. Yeah. Thanks, Earl. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, guys.